Okay, well, let me ask you this question, which will be more based on your experience and your feelings, because I think of you sort of as a Dr. Doolittle, Damien. Do dogs know when they're dying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I believe so. Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Here's your host, James Jacobson. Hello, friend, and thank you for joining us today for a very special question and answer episode with Dr. Damien Dressler. We get a little deep, kind of quick with Dr. D, which honestly happens more often than one would assume. Today's question comes from a listener whose name is Justin, who wrote in to ask the following. What do dogs do when they're about to die? What are some of the signs that they are in fact getting ready to leave us? Now, Dr. Dressler surprised me with two very different answers than I expected. Let's listen in. Dr. Dressler, thanks for joining us today. We're going to go back to the mailbag, and here is a question that was sent in from Justin. I thought it'd be really helpful for our listeners. The question is pretty simple, but it may have some interesting meanings for you. What do dogs do when they're about to die? It's a tricky question because there's all sorts of different ways to die. And even if you look at cancer, there's all kinds of different ways to die with cancer as well. So that's a very tough one. But what I will say is the following. You want to look at, first of all, general signs of illness. And the illness is going to be the thing usually that precedes the dying part. It's really unusual for an animal or a human animal to have zero signs of illness and then die. That's the minority of the time. It does happen. You can have sudden cardiac events, you can have strokes, you can have infarcts, you know, things like that do happen. But again, that's the exception and not the rule. So first of all, we have to say, okay, well, what are some common signs of illness that my dog is sick, whether it's cancer or some other type of syndrome? And so we're looking for coughing or sneezing or vomiting or diarrhea or increases in thirst and increases in urination and a loss of appetite and a loss of energy level and a loss of a desire to do its normal things. Hmm. So that's your short list on signs of illness. There can also be physical discomfort, perhaps, as a piece of that, which is, a, again, a whole other subject. So then we say, well, how do I know when my dog is going to die based on the signs? That's very difficult to say. And the reason why is because nobody has a crystal ball. We don't have a date stamp and neither does our dog. And what's interesting is some of these old dogs, particularly the ones that tend to sort of cling to life. And I think guardians, you know who I'm talking about. If your dog is one of those dogs, because they tend to get a little bit irritable. <laughs> <laughs> they get old and irritable. Yeah. So they get old and they get crotchety, but it's a fighting thing. Mm -hmm. It's a manifestation of being a fighter as opposed to sort of these old dogs who kind of roll over and give up the ghost. I find that dogs that are very passive in life tend to be passive clinging to life also. They tend to exit more quickly. With the dogs that are more tenacious and stubborn, kind of like people, they seem to just go on and on. And, and if you look at the end stage of these dogs, they'll go through these cycles where they will get sick, apparently sick, and everybody will think, well, that's it for Fluffy. And Fluffy all of a sudden will claw back and start acting normal again. And then a couple of weeks later, oh, Fluffy's not doing well again. And it's not that the disease itself is changing. I think it's just that the response to the disease tends to be cyclic. So there's that pattern I see a lot. 
then if you get to kind of the tail end and you're getting into dying of natural causes versus a humane euthanasia decision, which is a whole separate subject. That's a separate show, as they say. Yeah. One of the most common things I see will that they will get disengaged with people. They'll sort of go inwards. And a lot of times they'll want to go outside. They have an instinct, and I'm not sure what the point is, but they'll often go outside and go hide or find a separate place to die that's different from their den or their home or something. It's something about being in the air and being in the elements, I think, is connected with this final phase of departure. So those are two things I think that I've seen more or less consistently. I don't know about every time, but one is they'll sort of turn inwards in terms of their focus. They'll kind of not really be as present at all. And you'll see them sort of staring off into space and kind of like they're getting ready for the big exodus to wherever dogs go. Mm -hmm. And then they'll also tend to gravitate towards the elements, the natural elements. So air and sun and maybe snow, things like that. Besides those two, any other signs that you've noticed that tend to happen? Obviously, every dog and every experience is different. Well, the problem is, is that it's a simple question with a complicated answer that has many, many different answers. And those are the two commonalities that I can think of, because then you have to get into the specifics of what exactly is wrong with them. Because a dog with a bleeding tumor in its spleen is going to die in an entirely different way than a dog with a brain tumor. They're totally different in terms of how they look and what the disease entity does to the animal. So it's a little bit hard to make a general statement. And so the question is predicated on the idea that death is a consistent process when actually the number of differences in the dying process far outnumber the number of similarities. Okay, well, let me ask you this question, which will be more based on your experience and your feelings, because I think of you sort of as a Dr. Doolittle, Damien. Do dogs know when they're dying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I believe so. I don't know if you can say that across the board a hundred times. It's kind of like, do people know when they're dying? It's the same thing. It's again, the fact that we call them dogs and use a single word for them sort of misses the point. These are individuals, just like people are individuals. They're mm. different. So they're going to know different things and they have different awarenesses and they have different experiences in the same exact way that people do. But yeah, I think that most of the time the dogs seem to have an awareness that they're going to be exiting because they're sentient beings. I mean, they know when they're hungry. So why wouldn't they know when they're dying? You know? Okay. And in the dog cancer survival guide, you talk about like in the wild, they would just kind of go off on their own and hide. And I'm assuming that that natural tendency of wolves, for example, is something that you're seeing when dogs want to go off and spend more time outside. Yeah, I mean, it could be, there's a couple of different reasons that I can hypothesize as to the whys there. And I don't want to get too sort of spiritualist in that, but I could. But if you just look at it very basically, having a corpse in your living room is unsanitary. So that's the first thing. It's probably better if you're going to become a rotting body to rot elsewhere. Furthermore, there's carrion eaters and there's other predator species that might actually be happy either eating you or eating your fresh remains. And it's not good to bring those predator species close to your babies and close to your family and your pack. Yeah. So we'd suspect that's the main reason why that instinct is there, I think. The other thing, too, 
you know, again, dogs are sentient beings. They can feel, you know, there, there's sensations that I think feel good and there's sensations that I think feel bad. And I think being in an open space is a good place to be, particularly when you're starting to depart. When I say an open space, that doesn't mean that they don't find little enclosures. That's not what I'm getting at. But like fresh air and being connected mm-hmm. with the elements in that way, I think they sort of go back. Maybe there's like a Rolodex, not only of their life, but also of the species existence where they may be. It's a very primal thing, dying. You know, the entries and the exits here are very basic processes. And I kind of think that because those are very, very old processes like being born and dying are very, very, very old. I kind of think that maybe they revert to an older way and maybe they're more comfortable being in an outside environment as a consequence of that instead of being in front of your iPad. I have a theory. It's, you know, it's one of these profound things and it's impossible to validate, but I sense that dogs find their sense of spirituality by feeling connected to the sky, mm-hmm. by being able to look up at the natural sky and just be outdoors. Yeah, there's something about the openness. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that insight. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Dressler. You're welcome. So if you are grieving or think that you might have to grieve your dog soon, I want to personally invite you to join Dog Cancer Support, which is our private Facebook group. You can find it at the website dogcancersupport.com. It redirects to our Facebook group. We'll also have a link to that support group in the show notes for today's episode at dogcanceranswers.com. I want to thank Dr. Dressler and also Justin for today's important question. Now, if you have a question that you would like one of our veterinarians to answer on a future episode of Dog Cancer Answers, we would love to hear it. I'm going to tell you how to do that right after this short break. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. The green grassy beef liver spiked smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpup traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. Does it roll back time? Of course not. Not really. But it helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day. Because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so grateful to be your dog. And for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. 
If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, full-spectrum veterinarian Damian Dressler and veterinary oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold, but if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code PODCAST, and you will save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST to save 10%. I want to let you know about an important newsletter. It's called Dog Cancer News. Now, with a name like that, it is not for everyone. But if your dog has cancer, you will want to subscribe. That's because every issue features articles that will be helpful, such as low-carb dog cancer diet recipes, new clinical trials, financial resources to help pay for cancer care, information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year's subscription for free. No strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe, and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Those magic touchstones remind me to tell you, as promised, how to get a question to us for these question and answer shows. You can simply call our listener line. This is a podcast, so it's always great to hear your voice. You can call this number. It's 808-868-3200 and leave a recording or voicemail, and we will answer it on a future show. That number again, 808-868-3200. 
Now, you can also reach out to us on our website at dogcanceranswers.com and send us a message there, just like Justin did. There's also a way that you can find all of our episodes in our back catalog, which cover a wide range of topics at the website dogcanceranswers.com. You'll find those episodes plus links to our YouTube channel, which has a lot more content and easy links to the podcast so that you can follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts or Google or your favorite podcatcher. Now, why do I urge you to subscribe? Well, first of all, subscribing is free. But more importantly, when you subscribe, our latest episodes will always show up in your feed. Not every show will be directly relevant to you, but some of the shows will be. And if you subscribe, they'll be there and you'll know where it is. And finally, please subscribe and set your app to download our episodes because that way the podcast algorithm in the sky will notice that you think this show is valuable and help more dog lovers find us when they may need the information about canine cancer the most. So subscribe, download, tell friends who have dogs about this show because unfortunately cancer is the number one killer of dogs. So the odds are good that maybe one of them will need to know about dog cancer answers someday and you can be the one who tells them. And so tell your veterinarian also because, you know, if veterinarians know, they can share that with their staff. We are here for you and for people all over the world. And the best way for dog lovers to find out about this show is through word of mouth. By telling another dog lover, you're helping us, not just them and their dog, but their friends and their dogs and so on and on and so on. It's just good karma. Please let people know about Dog Cancer Answers. It's a niche program, but if you're going through it, as you know, it's tough and you need all the help and support you can get. And that's what Dog Cancer Answers is all about. I personally am driven by a mission to raise the quality of life for dogs and the people who love them, as are all the folks who work with us at Dog Podcast Network. So please subscribe and tell people about this show. Anyway, that is our program for today. On behalf of everyone here at Dog Podcast Network, I want to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcanceranswers.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of Maui Media in association with Dog Podcast Network. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the 
practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.